Hey, Jamie, I've got a question for you. What do you want, Tom? Who's on the podcast this coming Friday? Oh, is it someone big? Boy. Is uh, it a big one? Shall I bother listening this week? Yeah. If I was going to say uh, take. And I would say off no, your trousers. No, no. Take. Me out. No, take. Paddy McGuinness. No, take. Take on me. Take that. Wow. Have a little patience. But hang on, presumably you've only, you haven't got all three of them, have you? Presumably you've just got one of them. Buddy, we have all three of them on the podcast. They've released a new album. It's coming out. They're going on tour. They talk about the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, on everything that happened in Take the That. The ins, the outs. And they reveal it all this Friday. Exclusively. On Private Parts. That's a big one. I'm going to listen to that. 's going on uh the whole truth podcast has a bit of a different setup this week last week uh last weekend we had our first ever music for mental health concert at the roundhouse in London which was uh amazing can't really believe how well it went um how engaged the audience were how open the artists were it was something it was quite something on the way there I spoke to dr Alex we were driving to the roundhouse in Asaya and we decided to talk about mental health um Dr. Alex is someone who I, I rate because he you know he is a an influencer, someone who jumped on a television show with 500 followers and left with 1.4 million, and he he actually intends to to really utilise his um, his influence for for positive for positivity, uh, which is wicked because um, I think that's how you should should do it. So this is my conversation with Alex, um, and I hope you enjoy it. Make yourself comfortable. I will, mate. I will. Mate, thanks for having me on the Whole Truth Podcast. I'm very excited. Listen, I'm glad you're here. We're in a say out on the way to... um, so music for mental health, yeah. which, which uh, I'm really excited for. Yeah, and it's I'm brilliant, isn't it? It is, and I, and I I think it was one of these bizarre moments for me when I was trying to get together like the lineup and people involved. And I think the thing about mental health that I want to get battle like well one or two want to deconstruct in a way is the idea that even discussing mm. it is exhausting. Yeah, like that. I don't think it's a negative thing at all. Mm. To just open the discussion yeah. is is really positive. And so a lot of my friends wanted to jump on board, and that's why someone like yourself to jump on mm. board as well has been. Because you, so you, um, you obviously were quite open, and forthcoming, talking about your own mental health. And yeah, 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 yeah. And but I just wanted um, to be like a proper conversation. I just yeah. wanted to be like seamless. Yeah, you can always talk about it without having you know a judgment about it and things like that. You are definitely in a position of influence, and you are choosing from a conversation we had before this to. To, to use that space to to encourage others to be more considerate. I mean, you, you, yeah. so being a doctor, you have some experience of working with people. Yeah, I think for me coming off, you know, coming off Love Island, I kind of had a bit of a, 
you know, what do I do with my life? And I didn't expect when I went on Love Vines, in, in all honesty, to come off you know, with the kind of platform that I have yeah. for, for many reasons. And I had a kind of choice to make of where I'm going to go with this. And for me, I was like, look, I'm a doctor first and foremost. That's what I've always trained to do. So let's use that for something like that I feel is beneficial. And that's why I'm trying to like raise awareness around things that affect particularly young people. And I think mental health is probably up there with the, with the, with the issue that's most really important to young people at the moment, you know? Well, I think one of the greatest challenges young people face is um, social media and the kind of yeah. like really hyper, things like hyper fast yeah. reality. You yeah. know, you're coming from reality television, which is like there's a whole load of it where and, and it's so addictive. Yeah. And it's so like you get this, it's just you're watching other people exist and it's, and it's I think sometimes it can even distract you from. Mm. Do you know? Yeah. So yeah. for you to, to be in that space where you're providing a relief for people, yeah. but then to actually come out and be like, I mean, you know, being on that reality kind of show, it's not even good for your mental health, to be honest. Like, yeah. you know, it's 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 amazing. The highs are so high on that kind of show, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is something like that I'm so lucky to experience. But then there's bits of it like where you're, oh my gosh, the whole world's watching me, and you know, I messed up, or I said something maybe I shouldn't have said, or and you yeah, feel yeah, yeah. so much pressure from it. So yeah. you're coming off it, you know, you are hyper aware of that. And, also, like, you know, people, I mean, you've had it for many years, like, people know, like, knowing you and knowing who you are. But for me, I went from Alex, uh, a doctor in Amy, with 500 followers on Instagram to now nearly 1.4 million and yeah, people knowing you. Yeah, Yeah, it is a lot you of know? pressure there. And it was, I got the same crap post. I'm still doing the same, you know, rubbish post that uh, I was doing back then now. So but loads of like, people want to see it. <laughs> but loads but people I think that's it. quite cool, though. I mean, I've seen, uh, from A&E, kind of the sharp end of mental health, I think. And yeah. sometimes when people have... At a position of almost desperation with things and I think it's so important that we kind of encourage people to have that conversation a lot earlier because some people in a, you know have come to A&E I've seen who maybe take an overdose or something yeah that's the first time they've ever spoken about mental health or how they feel they've not told anyone how they felt until they got to the point yeah where they've done something yeah you know, quite extreme, I know so. do, you, is there, do you see a, some is there what, what was it like between men and women in that regard as well I think you know just absolutely. I think from my experience and also I think it's quite widely talked about that men really are quite rubbish at, at coming out and saying oh I'm not so I'm not yeah. feeling too good at the moment because you know society has be a lot of pressures on I think men to be tough and you shouldn't ever you know feel weak at all and um, I think women are a little bit more uh, ahead of us in that way and they go actually I'm not feeling as well and talk about the issues sure. a little bit earlier and I think sure. that's why we see you know suicide and uh, this is an awful way of saying it, but you know you know people actually successfully taking their, their life um, is much more common in men yeah which is it's a really sad thing. yeah and, and but, but you know similarly they they of course the big hook though is, is mental health doesn't discriminate mm. but in terms of opening the conversation yeah. uh, not mental health issues affect everyone yeah. and, and I don't think there's really a gender divide there but mm. the way in which we handle yeah. them potentially you though th this is this is a, a great mm. segue into me genuinely asking mm. how are you like really though. yeah yeah I think uh, that's a good question I think it depends it. it depends on which day I think some days I think for me, I get quite a lot of anxiety now around being in, say, um, a really busy public pay place or going to an environment where I don't like know how many people can be there and what's going to be like oh. because I don't know what the re like reaction is going to be. You know, people generally, 95% of people are really lovely, but 
mentally you can't you it's, you could almost tell yourself like, don't be silly but so the, you, you do worry paranoia yeah. Yeah, well you what i think it's a little bit of anxiety around it and it's not too bad i mean it's fine i just go alex is fine and you just get on with it so but, this is you adjusting to a new life yeah i You're think so i think I'm, 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 I'm trying to learn you know learn this because no one knew how it was walking down the street before but now yeah. people go alex and you go oh like it's just something that's really unusual to get used to yeah. so no, yeah, but the, you know, it is an amazing uh, journey, and I'm really enjoying being involved in things like this. Quite frankly, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really give purpose because I think you need that when you're thrust into this environment. You know, sure. otherwise you kind of get lost. Definitely. But I th- okay, so do you feel as though you have the right support system around you to be able to handle this new, new kind? I, of- do you know what? I've got such a good group of friends. My family are incredibly supportive, so right. they keep me grounded. Um, and they also are there you know, to support you when you're like, oh gosh, I'm not feeling good about this, so I'm worried about that. And I think that's really important because you could easily, I mean, you know what it's like, you know, in this world, you kind of get cast into like the celebrity world and you can get sucked into the whole thing too much and almost believe the hype too much as well, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a risk when you do that that you kind of end up, yeah, just kind of getting lost amongst it all rather than I mean, remembering who you are and where you came from and all that. Very easy to do. And that's partly why I'm going back to A&E because, you know, I love the job. I love what um i love what i do and it's a really good grounding of course i'm going to continue i want to do the i want to work within tv you know the podcast um radio to encourage and talk about health issues but i think it's really important for me that i just go back and continue what i'm, I'm doing in any i would consider you to be a, a hero in your profession i think the real heroes in our society often don't get enough accolade and that being doctors therapists counselors teachers laborers mm. there are loads of people who are working yeah like you know absolutely. what I mean to provide absolutely. stability for our, for our society and don't get the, enough credit I, yeah I agree and I you know I think you know this is not me I'm not talking about myself here I'm just saying but you know in the NHS at the moment you have a lot of people working at 200% um, effort you know paid uh, 100% nothing. of the time and um, I think yeah the you know <laughs> they're not always getting the you know not at uh, all thanks that they they should be and i think that's from you know all angles in terms of the government the people the public love the nhs they love the public services and things like that but you know i do think they're a little bit neglected at the moment and need a bit of a, I mean, bit of a boost and, and within mental health i mean you know one in three doctors within a hospital have met i believe to have mental health condition depression anxiety etc but how many of them have sought help or are having help yeah, or attacking yeah, well, their issues the time, do they? Because it's time and also it's it's stigma as well within the hospital. I remember myself when I was at medical school. I was having a time where I was I was in Truro West West Country way and I felt a bit isolated. And actually, I felt quite down. Right. And I was too afraid to say to anyone because I thought if I say to the medical school, actually, I'm struggling at the moment, they might not let me qualify as a doctor. Whoa. And I truly, genuinely believed that. And I, and I never said anything, I never said a word, and I dealt with it with my family and my friends. And I was lucky that through their intervention, actually, I managed to turn things around early enough that I was okay, I was fine. And, you know, I've got, I think, got good mental health now, good strategies for coping if I'm ever down. But the scary thing is that I did genuinely believe they wouldn't let me graduate. Yeah, that's and that's really frightening, scary. isn't it? And that I think I'm not, I'm not alone with that. There's a lot of doctors even now and, you know, medical students, nursing students, and in other, I'm sure in other professions and other workplaces that won't speak out. Because would you, say, that, would you say that's probably stop. the worst period of mental health you've been through? Yeah, I'd say so. I was, I was struggling back then, I think, a little bit. It was starting to affect my work in, in, in uh, I say, school. Then. It feels like school, in medical school. And I think, yeah, that, that for me was a time I was like, you know, woof, I'm actually not doing too well here. 
But what, say, what was it you were feeling? I just felt very low. I just felt very like, just couldn't bother with work. I didn't want to go into uni. I just didn't really want to do anything with my mates. I was staying, I wouldn't do anything. Wasn't training, going to the gym and things. Right. And I, you know, I was lucky that, as I say, my friends, my family, like, recognised it and I spoke with them and that I actually, yeah, I really managed to make a change. And that way I engaged with um, uh, CBT, so like online counselling stuff. And um, I, I really pushed to encourage doing like hobbies and activities that kind of made me feel you know, better again, and yeah. I kind of fought my own demons, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not always that's not always enough for people. And sometimes you do need a bit of extra support. And if you're too afraid to ask for it, that's a terrible place to be, isn't it? What do you remember as being especially comforting during that time? Do you know what? I, as I say, I never ever spoke out to anyone within the university or anything mm. because of, of my fear. And I think that what I found most comforting really was my friends and family. My mum used to ring me right. every night and speak to me for like 40 minutes to an hour every night when I told her that I wasn't feeling good. And we did that until the day I was like, do you know what? I'm feeling good again. Really? And we did it every day. And we spoke about, we went through all the things I was thinking and worried about and we rationalised them every day, even if we had the same conversation and then months and we months just, later. We just made them more, more bite-sized. Yeah, like yeah to try and break bit. it down. It was almost like a way of counting. My mum basically did counselling with me and I think that got me back to So it wasn't so level. overwhelming. Yeah. It got me back to Mate, you know, that's a good wonderful. And now I think it's made me so much stronger because I make sure I have coping mechanisms if I ever feel down. I've, you know, I, I make sure that I maintain my mental health by keeping exercising, yeah, make sure same. I talk about issues as soon as they come up. Um, and yeah, I try and practice wellness and mindfulness, you know, so. Yeah. When did you kind of realise you wanted to go to medical school? Do you know, I was about 12 or 13. I, was, I pretty much realised at a young age, I watched like City Hospital and yeah. then later on it was like 24 hours in A&E when I went to medical school. But you know, those kind of programmes really inspired me because it's like, you get such an incredible opportunity to use science to help people. To help that people? that to me was like so exciting. And yeah, it just is a fantastic career. There's a lot of challenges with the NHS. I think the, the pressure on the, on the A&E services, GP services, and when the hospitals on, you know, midwives, doctors, nurses, um, pharmacists, everyone yeah. is so big at the moment. And That's we massive. do have to tackle, we have to tackle, because I think NHS is in trouble. What would you think, so that desire to help people, I think mm. is, is a true gift. And, and, and it's so great that you, made that decision and followed up on it. Do you think at that point though you were conscious of, of mental health? I, th I suppose that's more tangible, isn't it? To know that you can help people yeah. and, like cut themselves. Yeah, do you know what? I, in all honesty, I always used to think of um, me like say, like in the way helping people as in like with car accidents, all that. Yeah. To honestly, mental health didn't think about it as much. As really? It's only what, since I've graduated and I, you know, I worked, I've done my I've done my two kind of years of rotations in the hospital as a doctor and then gone on to be with an A&E permanently that I've gone, oh my gosh, it's such an issue. Like, well, at least yeah. I think I think at least one every three or four patients I see, regardless of what issue they've come in with, ha also have some mental of health course. issue as well. And they don't, you know, because I, I always ask people, and how, what do you do for work? And, and how, and you know, how, how are things in life? And it's amazing how many people go, well, actually, I'm struggling a bit at the moment. Yeah. But they came in because they cut their finger. Well, this is the thing is that, what is that? that's the stigma you want to break down is it's not it's like I think literally everybody is motivated yeah. by the desire to balance themselves yeah. and it's not it's, it's, it's okay mm -hmm. and a lot of the reason why you end up in A&E is probably because of you know people make mistakes when they're tired when they're overworked yeah. when they're exhausted when mm -hmm. they're feeling a bit yeah. you know and so I think that yeah I think there's a, I've, you know would you say that now from your newfound knowledge that there's mm -hmm. a 
a, a real link between yeah absolutely like physical and mental health is is so, is so interconnected and you, you know if you're one you can't really have one without the other yeah. if you if you have a physical illness which isn't allowing you to live life in the way you want to live it it'll affect your mental health yeah. and eventually you'll have a mental health pro- uh, issue. Yeah. Uh, if your mental health is poor, then eventually, you, totally. through lack of diet, lack of exercise, lack of activity, isn't it? you're not gonna Mind live physically, in, you're not physically you're not gonna be well. Yeah. Uh, how, do you know, with, I was gonna ask you really, you know, when, when you realized that you had a problem, what yeah. did, how long did it take you to speak out? Did you feel that there was a stigma around um, Well, I, I don't know, with me, it's a, I, I'm, I've always been, I've always, my struggle has always been to not talk. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I can't believe that. <laughs> no, seriously, like, I'm very, like, I'm very impulsive. Yeah. So, I, so often I've said things without thinking, and um, I think my, what I would be guilty of would be, ra- you used the word rational, rationalizing in quite a positive context in that you made things more palatable for yourself mm. and break them down. But I think actually in a negative way, I would suppress a lot of my feelings yeah. by rationalizing them, like, like making them logical. So for example, it took me a while to, to grieve the death of my grandparents, mm. my grandmothers, because it's they- It's a hard lot, it's hard when you lose yeah, yeah, but, isn't it? No, it's tough, oh my God, massively. Mm. But I, it's like almost like at the time, I rationalized my way out of it. Yeah. And, and when I felt, when I felt, when I was struggling with depression and anxiety, anxiety I could actually work off. Mm. So I'd be like, I'd get this feeling of like intense discomfort and be like, oh, well, I'm gonna go and make some musical right, you know, okay. and it was like a petrol. But actually, oh, long, but like long term, it wasn't great because mm. I would be- It burns you out, doesn't yeah. it, actually? So, so I was always kind of saying something was wrong, but I wasn't necessarily doing anything yeah. about it. And actually, it's only from doing therapy and from calming down a lot and from, you know, the, like a long stretch of sobriety and stuff like that, yeah. that I've managed to really... And, you know, my therapist said it to me the, in, the, in the most beautiful way, literally this week. She said, you know, a, st- a state of happiness, which isn't what everyone thinks it is, yeah. but a, like, is when yeah, you... Peace is what we're talking about. Yeah, is when you are emotionally aware that's Absolutely. it yeah and Absolutely. now i have to say same with you is like i struggled mate this morning i had a bit of an anxiety thing but i just i felt a rest knowing yeah. that i know how to deal with it it's it is true isn't it and i think a lot of um like i'm quite big into mindfulness and i think a lot of people kind of disregard that like and that kind of think oh it's a self-help kind of thing but yeah. being aware that your mind and your thoughts aren't truth yeah because we always sometimes you have a thought in your mind going oh that person look at me he probably doesn't like me but why do we listen to this nonsense like you got this. We all have the second voice that we listen to, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah, yeah. You, you always, we almost listen to that too much. And I think being aware of your emotions and aware of your thoughts, and that your thoughts aren't always right, I think it's just so powerful. And when you get to that point, you're able to go. Actually, what I'm thinking is is rubbish. Yeah. No, totally. So well, yeah. You you, you you have to understand that your thoughts come from a, a level of unconscious. How about you? How are you doing? How are you at the moment? Because yeah. you asked me, I need to ask you, isn't it? That's just polite. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I've spent this year probably being the least creative I've been in a while, but learning the most about myself. Okay. Because I think a lot of my, a lot of my urgency in life mm. has come from a place of like needing to escape myself, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm a very destructive person, but I'm learning to not do that because ultimately, I, it just harms, I end up harming myself. It's interesting how you kind of almost, almost said earlier on that you're 
mental health or in fact instability of mental health actually feeded or I, I yeah the played into creativity. creativity yeah well you know which a actually lot, a lot very, of the, you know it's very common like within artists within even the great scientists and stuff were some of the biggest or had some of the most mental health issues which is quite yeah. interesting isn't it well yeah I think that because because your I feel like your mind is is almost like a way of escaping how you feel because because to the same extent as they have a, there is a relationship, I think some people believe you can control your emotional world with your mind, and I don't think you can. Do you think that creativity is almost like a way of you expressing your inner turmoil? Is yeah, I mean, could, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's what that's what most like if you, well, it's, well, I'd say more so with with young creatives, you know, mm. because like if you're if you if you excel at something when you're young, you're usually escaping something. I think mm. if you're like particularly. You know, that's why you end up with a lot of these tragic cases when, when people have been exposed to a spotlight or fame at a young age and they're enabled, and they can't deal with it. And I've experienced that difficulty myself because I, I needed to know myself. You've literally just said it yourself. Like you were in a good place before Love Island. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even know what a good place was before I got famous. I just knew about, I just was literally, I was trying to figure myself out. So since 24 and I'm 26 now, that's just been me trying to figure out how to grow up really. It takes time and we're all learning and stuff. But I mean, obviously creativity doesn't always require to have like, you know, mental turmoil, but certainly we do see it quite commonly. And it's interesting yeah. people either, and also when people are completely at peace themselves is when they have like massive epiphanies and things like that, isn't it? You know, like when um, uh, Newton sat there with the apple hit on the head, wasn't it? It was like the whole idea was that he was there in a place, place of complete peace. Yeah. And then, and then it was like a Yeah, it was realization, wasn't it? So. Yeah. I don't think we give enough credit to the guy who planted the tree. That's true, because if you had to put the tree in that place, the apple wouldn't have fallen on and oh, often hit him on the bloody head. Yeah. I'd love to source that back to like a defining moment, like imagine if Isaac Newton hadn't gone to sit by that particular tree. Or imagine yeah. if he'd gone to sit by another tree but you know someone what? was I there. Think, do you know what though? I think about in life, it's funny how things happen in that way. Like I, for the Love Island thing, for example, like I only track about how they found me, they actually, one of the um, casting people swiped me on Bumble and saw me, looked my Instagram handle up, took, went on Instagram, messaged me. If I hadn't seen that message or if I'd have just not responded, we wouldn't be sat here right now. Really? Bumble, in, yeah. In fact, and in fact, I didn't, um, I didn't reply for six weeks. It's only she messaged again going, look, Alex, I'm from ITV, let me give you a call. And I was like... Let's change your life. Do you know what? I was like... Oh, go on, I'll have a word. And then, and then from there, I spoke to her and I was like, I still like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to go with this interview. And my consultant was like, why not? Why not do something different? Like, how can you say no? It's an experience. And I was like, do you know what? Go on then, I'll go. And wow. then it just tumbled and I'm sat here now going around in a Seat chatting about mental health. So it worked out all right. That's powerful. We're on our way to music for mental health. We realised from the this is our third year of mm. I Am Whole. The first two years, even though our kind of agendas were, were more centred around specific age groups and terminology, music was always at the heart. Yeah, um, and music and mental health, I think, are totally intertwined. So, what would you say? Like, 
good or bad or positive or negative, mm. are there any songs, artists, albums that define periods of your life that you can't, you love listening to if you want to feel happy, can't listen never to again because it reminds you of? Yeah. I think as I was growing up, I was finally used to listen to Nirvana. As I was going through that, really? that stage Your of like, grunge phase. Yeah, yeah. Did you have like, red hair? Yeah, I didn't. I was just wearing dark clothes. I was, my hair used to be a lot darker. What about a studded? I used to have a, a wrist yeah, band and all that, and Same. I was a bit like, always wore like really black clothes. Um, Damn and right. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, Nirvana, like that's absolutely sick, Kurt Cobain and all that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was probably like the like teenage turbulence kind of uh, years. I think people would be surprised that I had any kind teenage of turbulence. turbulence. But like Love teenage that. turbulence, yeah. Did so, you coin that phrase? No, I haven't. Teenage turbulent human ninja turtles. Teenage Turbulence Human Ninja Turtles. That's it. That's what it is. You hit it first. I, I want to spend more time with you. <laughs> I think I always kind of use music as like a good um, escape. I enjoyed like, I loved like the Red Hot Chili Peppers as I was like going through like uni and stuff as well. I had a big phase with that. And I just like all music. I think music is just great for escapism in general, whether it's so if you had to, But if you had to stick on one song, if you were like, if, and you were like, right, you need to, you need to, you need to change your mood right now. You want to be in a more peaceful place and you had to just off the top of your head, what would you go to? Oh, what would I? I don't, actually don't know. Off the top of your head. Um, I'd probably go Californication. There you are, Bang. Chili's probably, yeah. yeah if you like, do you know what? Tune. I want to just put it on, drive the car. Californication. And actually, do you know what? I, I drove through California and I put that song on and it was like one of the best days best moments ever. of life. Yeah. All right. So if someone said to you, you're going to get, like, what is the, your idea of you never want to be trapped with this song ever again because it holds too much emotional value for you, what would it be? Um, what one would Like it? a past breakup. <laughs> I don't know if I put. I don't actually. I don't think there is a song. Do you know? Really? I don't attach that kind you of. You never had a thing with a relationship. Where it's like, oh, this is our song, and then you're like, now I can no longer listen to this. Song. No. No. Oh, In honesty, great. no. I'd, I'd be making it up. <laughs> you sure it's not Dizzy Rascal Bunkers? <laughs> actually, no. That was a great summer song. Actually, do you know what? There's a few <laughs> summer songs, Bunkers, and also. Um, uh, one Dance, Drake's One Dance. That was a come on. That was a couple of years ago. That was only two yeah, years that's ago. A great that tune. was an absolute. Was last two, wasn't it? Was it that too? Was, was it too? Was it remind you too much of? of... No, actually, do you know what? It reminds me of just like having fun on Clapham Common, oh, great. having a couple of beers in the sun and all that. Well, that sounds. That's, that's I love perfect. That. Right, so music that. is just a, is just a general. It just generally what aids is, your mental health. What do you think? Why do you think people find music so empowering around it, mental health? Yes, because but it's, it's all everyone sorts understands of it. It's all movement because it's unifi it unifies people. Like think how. Bizarre. I mean, obviously, it's, performance in general has this quality because you have it with theatre or cinema, but more so with the, the, the and I suppose to an extent, football, but or sports. <laughs> keep extending it. But the idea. I remember watching this amazing documentary about this stage designer, and the, it's the idea that um, at one point in a major gig, mm. there are thousands of people who kind of don't know each other in total silence, yeah. in darkness. Yeah. yeah. Like just yeah, before, that is just yeah. before, just before the lights come on, they're in darkness, and like no one knows it, and they're all about to go, yay! Yeah, it is, and yeah. that and that is something so powerful. I think that's why, like, music. when I went to like Glastonbury for the first time, I realised that it's such a, uh, it's one of the great levellers actually, yeah. because no one cares about the time anymore. No one looks up. I, well, most people wouldn't necessarily look at when you're certain artists on. You kind of float around and enjoy it. I'd say Glastonbury is generally disorientating. Yeah, it just just yeah, it is disorientating. <laughs> I spent the whole time lost, quite frankly. <laughs> I only found the exit on the last day, which was handy. Perfect. But um, it it is like that. I think people doesn't matter what background you're from. Everyone's just like 
enjoys this like music and just the that space. And I think that's why when people get such bad Glastonbury blues and you leave and over the weeks oh, and months after it's, it's like, ultimate oh. freedom. That's also responsibility though, isn't it? Because like you're just in like all you have to be responsible about is like when Eating, you've zipped and your a drink. Tent, huh? Yeah, exactly. Zip your tent. And even then you don't bother. Yeah, you don't bother. You don't bother. You're like, do you know what? If you want to go in there, be my guest. Yeah. We've got another initiative. There's two I've got two, a couple more questions for you. If you had an hour free in a day, we do a thing called whole hour where we promote an hour to look after yourself. What would you do? You're whole hour. So I would go to the gym because I find I would do at least I do forty minutes that hour in the gym because yeah. I think that is a great way, you know, to release stress. Yeah. Um, it's good for your body and for your mind. Yeah. I think it really gets the endorphins flowing. Yeah. It helps boost your serotonin and stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. And From so a doctor. Do, you said that as a it's, doctor. It's like, I can't advocate exercise enough, I think, for mental health. Whatever you, it doesn't have to be the classic go to the gym. I think whatever you enjoy, if you like, I don't know, I personally like tennis or stuff like that. Roly-polies. Um, Roly-polies, if you like going for a walk. Cartwheels. It can be anything you want to do. Yeah, cartwheels, whatever you want to do. Ping pong, whatever. Like yeah. anything you want to take Table tennis, what table tennis, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, something that you enjoy that that's gonna you know keep you fit and exercise as well. Yeah. The other twenty minutes, I'd probably spend doing a bit of mindfulness. So yeah. just having downtime, no screens, no t- like iPhone, yeah. no TV, you know, watch it and just sit there and just just relax. Maybe listen to a bit of music and just allow your brain to like decompress. Totally. That's probably what I'd do. I think the combination of those two, I think, is a Love good that. way to keep keep men- mentally fit. All right, and if you had some suggestions on how someone watching this, listening to this, yeah. if they're having a bit of a tough time, what, what, would you, what would you give us a bit of advice? I think the most important step that anyone takes, or anyone would take, is to, to speak out and just talk about. The first, the, the hardest bit, and at least for me as well, as I was trying to be quite proud, and I'm a medical student, be a doctor, I shouldn't say that I'm struggling at all, was going, oh mate, I'm actually, I'm having a good time at the moment. And then yeah. as soon as I did that, I felt this huge weight lifted. And all of a sudden, it's the start of the process of getting back to, to where you want to be. And I think that's the most important thing. Seek yeah. help. Go and speak to friends and family. See your, see your, 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 your GP, your doctor and stuff. And, and just talk about it because that's the only way you're going to get to to back to square one. And it's just, just like physical illness. Most things are fixable. Yeah. And if they're not 100% fixable, well, you I get think ma- I think it's like maintainable, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like one, one, like there was a bit, a bit of a, I saw, read an amazing article in The Guardian about um, one woman's real, real battle with, with mental, mm. uh, mental health issues. And, and well, I mean, we've used this analogy before with, with Hull, and I think it's quite, a lot of people go to it. The, the kind of, um, the kind of analogy of, of a broken leg saying that you know like the idea that if your leg was broken you'd go to a hospital yeah but you know and Absolutely. you know her insight was quite interesting because she felt as though it was nothing like that because this notion of yeah. fixing seems kind of out of the question when you have long-standing mental mm. health issues that are more severe than anxiety or depression or more mm. they're more long-lasting because mm. you know people can have bouts of them yeah yeah so I, I actually was thinking about it more like a pulled muscle yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, it's all you have to do is, it's the, the idea of mindfulness and whatever else, it's like stretching, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's what... Um, and if you don't, if you don't, 
you know, follow the right steps to improve that muscle you've damaged. It and, gets you worse. Know, to, then it gets worse. If you continue to exercise without doing, ex you know, the correct form of exercise, exactly. you make it worse. I actually, exactly. you know, I'm, I'm doing quite a lot of workshops with, with children around mental health in different schools. And actually, something I use, and I think it's, I think it's quite an interesting um, analogy, is I show two pictures. One picture is a cartoon character with a broken leg. He's in a hospital bed. The nurses, you know, this is very stereotyped. Uh, no one would expect nurses to do this, obviously. But like holding grapes, and he sat there having a cup of tea, smiling away with his, you know, his cast on. He's very happy. He's got a broken leg, but he's actually he's quite happy. Then you've got another person who sat in the chair crying all alone no one's around them but there's no physical injury there's nothing that you can see that's wrong there's nothing that's gone in that scenario and it's just like that kind of representation of yeah physical health you can see that something's wrong someone's usually has symptoms of that you can yeah, see of course. and therefore people can recognize that and go it's okay to go to the hospital because you can see there's something wrong it's tough or go to see a doctor but because the other person is Sat there crying. They're like, well, what you, you know, what are you crying about? You can't see anything wrong, and that, mm. that is an interesting one. And it, it is good that actually, generally, the children are, are brilliant. They recognise that, and I think that's that is the start of I think the improvement that we are making. I think in society, is people are realising that not everything is seen. Totally, which is a big step. It's great. Yeah, positive positivity mm. for the for the future generations. Hopefully. I actually think we're um, we're here. Boom. We are at the roundhouse. That was good. Ah. Oh. I'm excited. Oh yeah, yeah, we are here. Jeez. Right. <laughs> so, we I was flying. Like, yeah, I was like, is he right? That's a bus stop. <laughs> no, no, he's taking me to the bus stop. Here. Perfect. Here we go, That's man. It. Awesome. Mate, I'm so excited. This is gonna be a great, great gig. Bam. Here we go, man. This is it. Music for Mental House. That was the whole truth, the whole truth What you want to know about the whole truth It's all about the truth and nothing but the truth I want the truth, the whole truth oh, Hold on, hold on, hold on If you would like to subscribe to our podcast Please click subscribe And um, look after yourselves <laughs>